Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Welcome, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for Keeping Your Blink Together, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Hi, Scott. Hi, everybody. Good um, to be here again. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got to ask, as I always do, because uh-huh. I think we've shared with everybody that you're in the midst of yeah. decluttering, de-cluttering, downsizing, what de-shitting. I call de-shitting, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting ready to, to move back to Florida. How's it going? Good. Um, lots of emotions this this last round. Uh, old photos. I'm into the mementos. A uh, handwritten letter from my grandmother, which I might have found last week, but but um, lots of emotions this week. R- recognizing that this is the house where my last dog died, so I had a little grief spurt this weekend. Um, recognizing all the things that I've gone through in LA and my growth uh, missing LA. So a lot of uh, emotion, also some joys, like discovering thank you notes from um, my old job at One Legacy. And then when I worked at our house and when I worked at Pasadena Rehab, so birthday cards from coworkers. Oh, I found one of my very first clients when we finished session, can't say her name, but this would have been, I started seeing her before I was even licensed. So this would have been like 1999 and then, or 2000, probably 2000. And when we finished our sessions, she made me a book and it was, she said, written by Michelle Post and her, but it was like drawings that she had done to process all the emotional things that we had gone through. And she wrote me a poem about the meaning of a therapist which, you know, I'd love to read it. But again, because of privacy, I don't, I don't have permission to do that. But it was so moving. So I've had these really beautiful, joyful moments, and then some, some really sad moments. And then with all the changes because of um, more restrictions due to quarantine and the inability to see friends and keep a social distance and that kind of thing. That's been a lot of up and down for me this weekend yeah. too. Oh, it's not our topic today, but since you brought it up. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I, 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 do have a, I do have a question for you as, as a therapist. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a difference between what you and I do with folks. You do therapy mm-hmm. and I do transformational stuff, coaching. It's not that you don't do transformational stuff. It's, it's coaching. It's not therapy. Uh-huh. And we've all been through, you and I know each other well enough, especially, uh-huh. we, we've been through our messes. Mm-hmm. Um, we will continue to go through our messes. We've have, had the real highs and the real lows. Yeah. What happens when you come across what I call a bomb? Um, and, and I say that because I've been through deaths in the family. Yeah. And as we've moved, even now, uh, as I go through my office, and get things put together, a note, a card, something will show yeah. up and it's an incredible sadness. I don't know how else to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go, mm-hmm. piggybacking on what you said last time, it's like when this happens, I feel boom, mm-hmm. right? 
I feel sad. What's the best yeah. way to handle the bombs? Ah, uh, gosh, so many different options and choices and knowing yourself is the important piece. So in my wisdom, I would say the hardest way, but the healthiest way is to let the feeling in and observe it and watch if it sits somewhere in your body and what it does to your heart rate and your breath rate and your temperature and feel it. And if you cry, cry. And if you can put thoughts connected to it, put those thoughts. If you have, if you can journal about it, that's even great. There's so much good research about journaling and timed release writing to process through trauma. So that, I think that's the best way in terms of letting the feeling pass through you and leave you, right? But sometimes those bombs or maybe grief bombs, I guess that one of my clients used a word called a, a mom bomb. She talked about a mom bomb because it was her mom who died. And I just thought that was like a really neat word or phrase. Um, I think that sometimes you're in a public space or you're in the middle of a work thing or something and the bomb will go off and it's not appropriate for you to feel. Right. In which case, if you can put a pin in it and say, you know, in your head, tell your body, I heard you. I see what you're feeling. We're at work right now. I'll come back. I'll pay attention later. Right. And then distract yourself do maybe the boxed breath that you taught us on a previous episode. Well, I was going to say one of our early episodes, uh -huh. I, think, I think it may actually have been the first episode we talked about box breathing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Bre Diaphragmatic breathing. breathing. Uh, thought stopping is a cognitive technique where you imagine a big red stop sign or a big red light and you tell yourself stop really loud in your head. Like that's well, enough. One of our prior out. episodes, we, one of our prior episodes, we actually talked about the, the delete, delete, delete. Oh, delete, delete, delete. Yeah. Exactly. Delete, delete, delete. And I would say that when a grief bomb happens or an emotional bomb happens, you might want to put um, like mute, 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 or pause, pause, pause. Cause you do want to come back to it and listen to it. You don't want to tell your body uh, that the feelings are not important or uh, they'll just, the, your body doesn't care how much time it's been since whatever trauma or grief you've been through. It wants you to process through that feeling and let go of it. And if you just keep moving past it and ignoring it, it builds over time. It's not good. So yeah, I, 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 you can. I'll pass on in light of what you've said to, because uh, you just confirmed some of the things that I have discovered doing my stuff. Um, Obviously, there's the breathing, but I'm a big fan of EFT, emotional freedom oh, technique, yes. uh -huh. you know, tapping technique, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and there are various ways to go about the EFT. There are various names for it, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, some, some of them are appropriate uh, privately. Some of them are not appropriate publicly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I mean, you know, a big one, you can just do the karate chop point karate on chop your point on your hand. Mm -hmm. A big one, by the way, because I do Qigong, uh, is to do the, the, the sternum. sternum where uh -huh. you tap on that. And there's a technical term for it. We don't have to get into it. But that whole tapping there to relieve anxiety. Nobody needs to know yeah. what you're doing, by the way. No. Um, you can just reach up and put some pressure on your sternum area. Mm -hmm. And it, it 
it gives that kind of delay for lack. It's you're not mm -hmm. deflecting. You're not you're kicking the can down the road is what you're doing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, until there's an appropriate time. Mm -hmm. uh, and then one of the hardest things for me, and we've talked about this, is leaning into those emotions yes. and actually saying, it's okay for me to feel that because, and again, we've chatted about this before. Uh, number one, I don't particularly think I'm a, I'm a pretty crier. For, I, I don't, I know <laughs> it sounds I'm weird. I'm an ugly I know crier. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but I watched TV. I was watching it the other night. Oh, beautiful criers here, on TV. There are some, you know, one tear coming oh, yeah. down. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, that doesn't um, look like that. Your show that, that I started watching because of your recommendation, Little Fires Everywhere. There oh, you go. Reese Witherspoon is such a beautiful crier. <laughs> and so, exactly. Uh, so, there's that. Um, I also distinctly remember growing up being told by a variety of family members, uh, stop crying or I'll give you something I'll to cry something about. To cry. Oh, terrible messaging. And I haven't heard anybody in a contemporary setting say that. I think it was generational back when, you know, that was the thing when my grandparents mm -hmm. out of the depression and coming from Europe, it was children are to be seen and not heard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then my dad would pick that up mm -hmm. and it, it kind of, uh, it, it self per perpetuates itself for lack mm -hmm. of a better way to put it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, this all leads into, by the way, what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I think it's very real for folks now that we have uh, new stay-at-home orders or mm -hmm. shutdown orders for some businesses in California. And I've got to say, as much as I was made for this quarantine, right? I, <laughs> I bet you I, were. <laughs> it's, it's, let me stay at home. Let me write. Let me be creative. Let me do all these <laughs> wonderful things. Uh -huh. You know, this is the introvert who's learned to be extrovert talking. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And uh, even I, I heard the governor today here in California, and I've got to say, there was a bit of letdown for me. Yeah. Uh, as as much as it's, I want to, I want you to social distance. I don't want to get sick. I had nothing to do with this. I don't like being sick. Right. Uh, and my wife will tell you, I think uh, a lot of guys are like this. I'm miserable when I'm sick. Uh, <laughs> I don't get sick often uh -huh. when I can but get sick. <laughs> no, no, no. I just basically am dying. Grouchy. Okay. <laughs> it's like the world is coming to an end, which again, actually that, that mindset kind of ties into what we're going to talk about today. Some of the orgasmic thinking we're going to chat about. Yes well um and so one last thing before we we actually transition into this we mm -hmm. keep talking about journaling yes. we, we've talked about it and you talked about cognitive behavior therapy by the way there are some marvelous cbt apps for your phone yes uh and i've played around with them i can't tell you i i use them ritually or okay. habis you know consistently i uh -huh. guess is the word but they're really quite interesting where you get oh. these. And if, if you don't know as a listener what a CBT journal is, it's a thought journal. Mm -hmm. you, record a, you record an emotion mm -hmm. and it gives you all of these little icons and then you record what caused the emotion and then you mm -hmm. analyze behind it. And it's, okay. almost like, mm -hmm. it's almost like a distancing. It is. And then it's an analyzing. So you look at the thought behind the feeling and you say, okay, what's the evidence that shows my feeling is accurate? 
And then you look at what's the evidence that disproves my feeling or thought is accurate. And then you come up with a balance spot that takes into account both types of evidence and you reassess your mood. And that's an automatic thought record journaling piece. That's one of the, the cognitive behavioral therapy techniques that's super important. Being able to recognize that your thoughts aren't always accurate. We filter, we make assumptions, um, we mind read other people's thoughts and feelings, we personalize people's behavior and think it's about us, all kinds of distortions that we can have and we need a tool to help work through them. Well, that kind of <laughs> actually is a marvelous segue if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah. Because today's episode is really about how we think about sex. Yes. How we think about intimacy and relationships and relationships. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to actually turn this over to you because I think that you've got some, some marvelous tools, tools here to yes. share with everybody. Yes. So as a part of our notes for the show, you will see a link to be able to access four documents that I created from a book by John Gottman, who's one of the couples research gurus. And this is everything from communicate. It's not just sex, but budget and household chores and intimacy and connection and relationships. He's even done how to improve your work relationships. He's got a book out called The Relationship Cure, which can be about friendships or working relationships. But this, these four documents come from his book called um, Oh, Why Marriages Succeed and Fail, I think. No, Seven... Seven Secrets to a, a Healthy Marriage, something like that. It's in, it's in the document. But there's two quizzes. One is, um, is your relationship primed for romance, which is just about connection. So that's a great quiz to quickly take if you're in a relationship. The second quiz is about quality. We've talked in, in a couple of episodes about quality versus quantity of sex, romance, and passion. So there's one on the quality of your sex, romance, and passion. Then there's a couple of handouts to help people improve those things like language to build connectiveness instead of divisiveness and how to build your emotional bank account with your partner, your friend, etc. So check those out and hopefully they're, they're good support to any of you in a close relationship that needs a little boost. So that's, that's the first thing I wanted to share with you is about. Now I've got, a, got a question for you. I've got a question mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. Is it appropriate? Is it, are these tests that people should take having after they download them from the show notes? Mm -hmm. Or are these tests that you can actually go through the questions if people are listening to this? Is it something you feel comfortable going through on the show and asking? Oh, um, I, I could ask some of them. They're a little bit long. They'd probably take a good, they'll take five minutes if you're just sitting and, and taking them yourself. Um, but to go through them and, and talk through them with people, they'd take a, uh, probably longer than we have today. Um, and what I are some, what are some sample questions? Let's do it that way. What, <laughs> like what, what kind of, the, the, the oh, reason shoot. I, the, the reason I'm saying, the reason I'm saying that, uh -huh. um, is, you know, I love these little personality tests and uh -huh. it's not dismissive. Um, I love these kinds of analytical things sure. that give you metrics that you can measure because that's my personality. And we're going to be chatting in another session, I think our next one, about uh -huh. type A's and type B personalities, right? Uh-huh. Um, okay. And, and so I'll one of the things that one of the things that I want to to know is, okay, cool, I'm taking this test. And then how do I use it? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so on relationship prime for romance. So this is probably the first one you should take, right? And it's things like we enjoy, true or false, we enjoy doing small activities together like washing dishes or watching TV. Um, At the end of the day, my partner is glad to see me. Well, you know, during quarantine, you're probably together a lot more often. My partner is one of my best friends. You know, you can see if your partner is one of your best friends, your relationship is probably primed for connectedness. Um, We're spiritually connected or compatible. We always have a lot to say to each other. We have a lot of fun together, true or false. We have many of the same dreams and goals, true or false. We like to do a lot of the same things, true or false. Uh, Whatever we do together, we tend to have a good time, true or false. So they're really simple. It's not a super intense sexual questionnaire, the first one, primed for romance. Now, the second one, quality of sex and romance, is a little more intimate because it'll say things like, uh, we still have our tender and passionate moments, or we have few, or no tender, or no passionate moments. You have to answer one or the other. Another one, my partner surprises me with romantic gifts versus my partner rarely or never surprises me with romantic gifts. Another one, our sex life is fine or there are definite problems in this area, right? Um, Scrolling down, I do feel romantic towards my partner or I do not feel very romantic towards my partner. I feel passionate towards my partner or I feel passionless. So that, you know, it gets into a little more of the emotional connectedness in your relationship. So you'd take that one second, if that makes sense. It does. And then there's a scoring connected. um, The first one, the true or false, there's a scoring that basically says, hey, you know, if you've scored this amount of trues, uh, you're doing pretty well. And if you've scored more than this, you might want to continue on with some of the exercises like building your emotional bank account and learning to use better language with each other. So, and um, so is it, you guess you just answered it. Is that the way you, you would use what we're giving listeners is you take the test, you do the assessments, Mm -hmm. find out where you are. Mm -hmm. If, if you're hunky dory, right. (laughs) Um, Move right along, move right along. And if you're not, if you're, if you're (laughs) exactly, we'll bottle it, sell it. Um, if you're not, mm-hmm. then there are tools. Yep. All is not lost, right? All is not lost. In fact, uh, Dr. Gottman has a lot of great books about relationship and how to get back on track. He's got a series of love maps. Get back on the same track, kind of similarly to what I may have mentioned earlier, the 36 questions to fall in love research. Did we talk about I, that? I don't remember that. Okay. You, and by the way, we're having a little bit connectivity uh, oh, are we? right now. But okay. so, so I apologize to the listeners. I have a feeling it may just be a little band. I, it may be just a little bandwidth right now. So okay. you did not mention uh, the 36 questions the, the 36. to fall in love. Yeah. So that was a research project. I, I can't remember who did it, but it was published in the New York Times, I want to say maybe three or four years ago. And you can actually Google it, find it pretty easily. The questions are simple at the beginning. I think the very first question is something like, 
if you could invite anyone to dinner, alive or deceased, fictional or, or real, who would you invite to dinner and why? And so one of you answers it and the next person answers it. And then as you go on towards the 36 questions, it gets into more deep conversation, like what's one of your worst childhood memories? And that would be something you'd only share with a close person in your trusted circle, right? And so the idea was they, they basically took couples and people and compared them and I believe had really good success rate for couples um, falling in love as a result of sharing their answers to these questions to uh -huh. each other. So it's one of the things I ask couples to do in couples counseling is download that app and start asking each other, start having a date night or a date afternoon or a date breakfast and start working your way through those, those questions. Wow. So, you know, I love this stuff. So I will actually, I'll, I will look it up. I had not yeah, heard of this before. And, and then I will, uh, You're already put in that, love. I'll put that in the show notes as well. <laughs> okay. uh, so that, so that listeners can easily get that. Yeah. Um, interestingly, as you say that, I don't know if this is a good time to segue into what I think you're going to talk about next, uh -huh. but you talked about people taking the test yep. and falling in love. Yeah. Uh, there was also an experiment uh, where they had people sit down and look at each other. Oh yeah. Remember that? So um, are you, I'm not sure if you're, are you referring to David Snarch's work and staring into each other's eyes or something different? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I actually learned of it first in the context of performance art because, oh. and I can't think of her name right now, there is a, a very famous performance artist uh, that people can Google and, and look for where all she would do is she would show up in a museum setting, let's say, or a show setting, uh -huh. and not a word was spoken. And people could come up and sit across from her and stare into her eyes. Ooh. And one of the most moving things that you will see is one of her former lovers showed up. Oh, and? Absolutely breathtaking. Not a word was said. Oh. And yet, I mean, here I'm getting emotional talking about it. Uh -huh. Just remembering it, not a word was said, and yet everything was said. Oh. It was absolutely gorgeous. Um, so, so, so look it up. It's, it's a performance art. It's not therapy. It's not anything else. It's a performance artist. Uh -huh. And, and she looks at people. There is also, by the way, uh, and I have not heard about him in a while. Uh, I'll have to now Google and figure out who he was. Uh, there was a very charismatic guy that was touring around. Again, wouldn't say a word. He would show up and stare at you. And wow. People were doing it online for quite a while as well. So <laughs> but let's segue into you and what you wanted to chat about. Oh, I wanted to tell any of our listeners that are interested in expanding their connection with their partner. There is a wonderful writer and he is a trained both, both sex therapy and marriage and family therapy. So he's cross certified and because I think last show I said most marriage and family therapists have some sex therapy training and some sex therapy training have, I mean, most uh, sex therapists have some uh, relationship training, but there's a lot of missing in both. Yeah. So David Snarch is trained in both and he wrote 
several books. And one of the concepts that I was introduced to in grad school is eyes open kissing. And this idea that looking at each other deeply while you kiss is a way to increase your connectedness. If you think about when you're first dating somebody, you get really close to their face and you kind of stare at each other's eyes a lot. And, you know, and then 15 years later, you're like, bye, honey. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but this idea that um, eyes open kissing and then getting comfortable with yourself when you are intimate with your partner, where there are some lights on last, last, podcast, we talked about women and body image. I'm, I know it affects men too, but there are people who just are not even comfortable undressing in front of their partner, let alone having sex with their partner with the lights on. And you're missing a level of intimacy there um, when it's rigid. Of course, there can be some wonderful things about having total darkness and just it being about sensations and touch and, and closeness and breath and temperature but there's also looking at each other's face or experiencing each other and staying present instead of you know, getting out of your head and fantasizing about someone else while you're with your partner. And David Snarch's work, he would say that when you have any kind of functional issues with inability to orgasm or uh, inability to increase your stimulation, it's a lot about what's in your head that you're your brain is not lining up with the moment. You're either afraid, you're too far ahead thinking about um, the end goal and pleasing your partner so you're not in the moment and just enjoying it, or you're pressuring yourself about the outcome. And, and so what ends up happening is nerve endings are nerve endings. So you stimulate enough people's nerve endings and they will be stimulated. But orgasm happens when your brain lines up with what's going on with your body and you're really in the moment. And so his work is very helpful for, for any couples that are struggling with sex and relationships. So I thought it would be important to share that with our listeners. Yeah, now it's got, I got to tell you that uh, obviously off air, Michelle and I plan the shows out and we kind of debrief and strategize. And when Michelle brought up this eyes uh -huh. open kissing, that was one of those where I said, huh? Uh huh? Because I'm a very, let me back up for a minute. Um, because I do a lot of training, I'm very aware of the fact that there are different ways that people process information. You have visual auditory, you know, you've got the, the people that need to have hands on touching. You've got people that, mm -hmm. that, that, taste is a big deal. Smell is a big deal. You've got all of those different learning methods. Mm -hmm. I'm very visual. If I see something, mm -hmm. it's, I got it. Just mm -hmm. let me see it. Um, so I would say visual is way up there for me. Um, and then touch is mm -hmm. very big second, right? I need, I need touch. I need that. Mm -hmm. And yet I'd never, I'm sure I've done eyes open kissing, but I've never mm -hmm. thought about it before. Mm -hmm. And my never reaction, <laughs> my, it's never been intentional. And, and in fact, you will recall when you said that to me, I actually kind of sh shrunk back and said, <laughs> what are you talking about? That means that you're disconnected. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so I don't know how many of our listeners would react the same way because maybe, I, I, maybe it's from seeing things on TV or the movies, you 
close your eyes and you, you passionately eyes. kiss. And the snow falls, even though it's yeah. Angelus in June. <laughs> yes, and the harp music plays and the yes. swell. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what God, what was one? Love, love means never having to say, love story. Love means never having love to story. say you're sorry. Probably one of the greatest. <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, probably one of the greatest contributors to, to bad relationships ever is that, that <laughs> statement. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Oh, that's uh, terrible. That's, that's right up there with don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. as you were chatting, one of the things that you talked about was the chemical reactions in the brain. And you and I, uh, again, plan to talk about what I call the orgasmic brain. Yes. Um, maybe you should start by, by talking about the fact that intimacy and relationships and lovemaking isn't just friction. <laughs> no, it's right? not. Yeah, you know, the, the biggest sex organ that you have is the brain right? If it, nothing happens, if you don't have the brain involved, right? If you're, if you're somewhere else, uh, and you're not in the present, you're not going to enjoy yourself. That's true about anything, be it kayaking or driving your car or sex, you know, if you're not present, you're not going to enjoy the moment, right? Mm -hmm. And the brain, what we tell ourselves, just it's such a cognitive behavioral thing. What you tell ourselves affects your physiological responses affects your mood, uh, which is your brain chemistry, your dopamine, your, your adrenaline, your cortisol, all of that stuff is all in your brain. So when they say, oh. So for listeners, we had a little freeze there. Um, I'm sure we'll reconnect here in just a second. Oops. Uh, we, that's okay. We froze for a minute there. Did we? <laughs> we did. So you were talking about the dopamine and the cortisol. And, mm -hmm. and when people say that, oh, that's, that's just in your head. Everything is in your head. You're nothing without your brain. A computer is nothing without the motherboard. It's just a piece of equipment. Your body is nothing without your brain. So tell us about the orgasmic brain. Well, it, you know, it's one of those things where um, I've, I've got to tell you, without calling it that, I've actually been working with folks for a long time in business yes. uh, and talking to them about the difference between seeking pleasure or avoiding pain. And, you know, it's the whole basis of pain, pleasure driving everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, very interestingly enough, a uh, lady by the name of uh, Sydney Biddle Barrows. I'll show you everybody the book uh, who might be seeing this, oh, but yes. uh, it's, it's called Uncensored Sales Strategies and it's triple X rated secrets. If you don't know who Sydney Biddle Barrows is, she was the Mayflower Madam. And she's written this book uh, with Dan Kennedy, very, very famous business guru, uh, all about what she calls uncensored sales strategies built around her running her sex business uh -huh. and her, how to bring those escort. same, uh -huh. her escort service and how to bring those same concepts into the business world. And one of the things that I've always found fascinating uh, and the reason I call it the orgasmic mindset or orgasmic thinking mm -hmm. is 
if you understand orgasms the way that you have now been talking about it as far as all the chemicals and the, the things that get fired off, when you think about it, and I believe there are even some recent scientific studies that, that say that creativity Mm-hmm. fires off the same stuff when you mm-hmm. have your aha moments mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's firing off the same stuff mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when i go back and say we have different learning methods mm-hmm. i'm a visual person right now not everybody is don't turn the lights off i want to see yes you want to see <laughs> um uh-huh. and and people who've listened to prior podcasts have heard me talk about when i was very little I would sneak into my parents' bedroom because I knew where they hid the holiday presents. Oh. And I would open the presents, uh-huh. look at them, because it was the anticipation uh-huh. that was so exciting. Uh-huh. And I will tell you, having all these years later, it's the same dopamine release. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and so in a business setting, I mean, now let's just bring it yeah. right home. Think about your business. Uh, I've said this when I work with coaching clients. Are you having a love affair? And I don't mean that with another person. Are you having a love affair? Exactly. Are you having a love affair Mm -hmm. with what you're doing? Mm -hmm. Um, We are in the midst of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. We've got, at least in California, new stay-at-home orders. Everybody is wearing masks. Not everybody. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are wearing masks Mm -hmm. when they're out. We and you've got that, the intimacy is being mm-hmm. taken out of mm-hmm. what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've talked to any number of people who don't understand how to create rapport mm-hmm. over a camera, mm-hmm. how to, with, their, with, with a telephone, to mm-hmm. connect with somebody. And I'm suggesting to you that if you'll take the same orgasmic concept, mm-hmm. the orgasmic thinking that leads to fulfilling sex, satisfying sex, sustaining sex in the bedroom and mm-hmm. apply that into your business into world your business absolutely you're gonna you're gonna thrive right um, i mean how many people will say something like when when they know you're passionate about what you're doing they just want to be around you yeah. because they can tell that your heart is in it that you're not just dialing it in as they say and showing up and punching a clock you actually really care about what you're doing i'm not even going to say the movie i don't have to I'm going to, for listeners, merely mention Meg Ryan in a restaurant <laughs> with Billy Crystal. <laughs> uh, exactly. And so, so yes. for those of you that don't, don't know the movie, um, Meg Ryan is in the restaurant. Billy Crystal and she are having dinner. Uh, he makes a comment and she says, I can fake this. Uh-huh. And then she pretends to have an orgasm in the restaurant. Uh-huh. And there's an elderly, there's an elderly couple uh, who, who are sitting there. And the little old lady uh, looks to the <laughs> waiter after Meg Ryan is finished <laughs> and says, I'll have what she's having. Isn't that what you want from your yes. customer? Yes. Right. Exactly. And aren't you doing a redesign program for people that are looking at finding more passion? in their business right now. So I've seen yeah, that. Thank you. Thank you. So what, so uh, no, <laughs> thank you. That, what, what we're doing, I call it pivot play. And it is, lit- it, it really is about building this new passion into what we're all going through, whether it's a pivot, which mm-hmm. means, um, and, and by the way, this is a tribute that this is cross platform. So if we're talking about your sex life, it's that if you're talking about 
you know, getting along with your kids, it's that. If you're talking about your business, Business. it's that. It's all Mm -hmm. transferable skills. Mm -hmm. A pivot, and people use the term incorrectly a lot. Mm -hmm. A pivot requires a fulcrum. Think of it as a hinge, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So when the hinge opens, Mm -hmm. there's something around which it revolves. That doesn't change. Mm -hmm. Versus a rebranding or reinvention where it's a new business. And right. either, either one of those to work requires massive creativity. Yeah. And it requires you to be, pa- I mean, how can you tell someone, I want you to be in the business? Right. Stop, you know, you, know you, you spend a lot of time doing the business, but I want you in the business. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us have, I've, I've been told, we have that cult of personality in our businesses where it's not a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. It's not a hamburger that you can drive and get anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's you, Michelle. I want mm-hmm. you and what you're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. That's your unique selling proposition, mm-hmm. your USP. Mm-hmm. And so to use, by the way, some of the things from the book that I mentioned, the uncensored sales strategies, one of the things that they hammer on you in that book is you are not like other businesses. Mm-hmm. Stop saying that. Mm-hmm. Stop saying Stop saying you're like any other lover. You're just good enough. I know. You're just, you that know, would be a whatever. terrible first date, wouldn't it? I'm yeah, like anybody. I mean, I'm like anybody you could go out with. <laughs> um, and, and, and yeah, and so why it, hire me? I, you know, I exactly. You know. <laughs> and so a lot of what I'm working with folks on now is finding that uniqueness that they've always had. It's not, re- it's, not reinv- it's not reinventing what you are. It's mm-hmm. not reinventing who you are mm-hmm. or what you do. It's saying, wait a minute, this is the stuff I loved when I was a kid. Yeah. And, and I really invite all of you, you know, um, mm-hmm. you had mentioned, by the way, how folks learn their sex uh, expectations. Men, I believe you said men learn it from porn movies mm-hmm. and women learn it from romance novels. Mm-hmm. Or romantic comedy movies, rom-coms. Um, mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> think, think back to when you first experienced whatever it is that you consider to be your sex education. Uh-huh. And, and ask yourself, here, here are my limitations, here are my expectations today. Where did I learn that? Right? Yeah. I mean, there's certain stuff where we're wired for, irrespective of what your gender identity is. Right. Whatever your gender identity is, you're wired towards something. Something. We're all wired towards procreation. We were, you know, we were given create. the ability to, uh-huh. to create and, and procreate and for, for a reason. Mm-hmm. And now take that same concept and take it into your business setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what, where I'm saying I really want you to understand there's, there's an orgasmic, creative, mm-hmm. intentional, purposeful way to approach business mm-hmm. that you want to enjoy versus, um, and I find this fascinating, there, and I'm not going to pretend to understand the, the medical term, there, there is a syndrome where people can experience an orgasm physically, but they don't enjoy it. Wow, and it's, and, and I it's don't know actually, that about that. It hip here. Let me 
since we're just because yeah, I think this, this may be learning. this may be important. Let me look up real quick. Um, it is pleasure dissociative orgasmic disorder. Big oh, word. Wow. Um, it, it's called sexual anhedonia. Oh. Um, and it's literally where individuals cannot pleasure. feel lack of pleasure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's not a criticism of that. It's have you gotten to the point because of COVID, because of the pandemic, because of the stay-at-home orders, because you're living with someone for 24-7? Mm -hmm. Has the pleasure gone out of it? You know, mm -hmm. I, I, both you, Michelle, you and I are working from home now. I know. This is our office. <laughs> okay. Um, I make it a, an intent to have pleasure in this. Mm -hmm. um, we're having fun with, yeah. this, with this broadcast, right? This is one of my favorite hours of the week. <laughs> um, and, and, and so it's that kind of thing I'm asking everybody to take a step back. We've been now for three episodes mm -hmm. chatting about intimacy and relationships and mm -hmm. sex. And, and I'm now saying, okay, let's pivot. Use, mm -hmm. use the last three episodes as that hinge. Mm -hmm. And let's now move into making these same types of tools and techniques yes. work in everyday life, in the, yes. out, in the, out in the real world of yes. revenue generation and yes. creating new businesses, if, if, right. if that makes sense. It does make sense. I was just thinking, um, I didn't plan this, but I was just thinking if I looked at that, is your relationship primed for romance and changed it to, is your work life primed for passion? Oh, I see. I was thinking the same thing when you, know, you read that. I was like, we have oh. a lot of fun together. Do you have fun at work? True or false? Um, my... Uh, I think my work would consider me like very important, true or false. Um, I, you know, I like to spend time in my work. <laughs> There's a lot of common, common things there. There are. And, um, uh -huh. you know, not, not a lot of people get what I talk about when I say that at the beginning, because it's, it's mm -hmm. kind of like my reaction to your open ice kissing. Um, <laughs> like, whoa, it, sex and like, work. <laughs> and, and I'm saying it, it's literally what I call a reward sensitivity. Yes. Um, you know, I had a discussion with one of my group of, of close confidants and to a person, yeah. every last one of them was punishment avoidance. That's right. how they move forward. And okay. I was the only one at the table that can honestly say, give me a reward and I'm there. I'm pleasure driven. I'm yeah. pleasure driven. Uh -huh. And I, I it was a real eye opener for me to understand uh -huh. that a lot of my contemporaries didn't get that. It was avoid pain and that brings them pleasure. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely more like you. Um, I'm probably pleasure seeking. Like I, I, I love seeing my clients get better. I love doing some consultation work and seeing an agency I'm working with shift their thinking yeah. in a more holistic, inclusive, in a time of social justice and inclusive way of thinking, right? Um, one that's based off of equity in training and access in um, resources. Yeah. So and, I really and, love that. And, and I will say, I mean, the, this whole concept of pain and pleasure was one of the reasons uh, that I stepped away from litigation. And uh -huh. it's one of the pain points for me, by the way, of my work in the entertainment field. Uh -huh. Both industries are fear-driven. 
Yeah. Um, Fear-driven and finger-pointing, right? It's a, it's a world of, they are both worlds of finger-pointers and crybabies. Oh. Uh, and, and it's, it becomes it very. It sound pleasurable. <laughs> it, exactly. That's exactly where, that was the realization that I came to. It's like, you know, I can put all the fun into it. I can put all the pleasure into it. I certainly had clients who were very loyal because I want to be like, I can't believe you feel that way. This uh-huh. is fun being around you. Boy, what a breath of fresh air you are. Yes. Uh-huh. And yet they all go back to that same fear ritual, that scarcity mindset. Yeah. Uh, and again, to take it into an intimacy and relationship model, right. are you doing the same thing? Right. Are you, are you avoiding uh, pain? Are you risk averse? Are you fear-based? Are you fearing abandonment? Are you fearing loss? Are yeah. you fearing uh, being lied to? Is it scarcity driven? I just, I, I personally have worked really hard to move away from that mindset and help really try to help my clients move away from that when we're talking about their business lives or their personal lives. This idea of scarcity is not a great way to live. I, I get the idea of being considerate of your resources, right? When it comes to energy or time or money, I, I, I like the idea of being considerate of your resources, but this idea that, you know, there's not any money for me if Scott gets money, right? Like this idea that if, if I don't get Scott's money, there's, there's no time or energy for me. It's just not a helpful way to live. That's not how I want to live. And, and I will say this for, we have a, we're running, we're actually, believe it or not, again, <laughs> out of time. Um, uh, my favorite hour. <laughs> but but, but I, will, I will say this. I think, Michelle, you and I run in worlds that I used to think was unusual. It's not, un, it's not, yeah. unusual. There are a lot of people out there mm-hmm. who have um, not only the reward mindset, but they believe that there's plenty out there. Abundance. There's a, but yeah, they have, they have that whole abundance thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole, it, it, it goes beyond the there's secret and it goes beyond. There's enough work for yeah. everyone. Yeah. There and, is enough and you are enough. And you are enough. Yeah. And this is the place for the strong to come and be weak or vulnerable. Like this, this is the community that we're creating in our keeping YST world. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so out of respect for everybody's listening and the, and the time that we've spent, um, we're going to bring this set of discussions to a close. Yeah. Uh, Hope next, you've enjoyed them. Hope they've been helpful, everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Next time, we're going to, uh, I believe, move into type A's and type B's. Yeah, personalities. Uh, and then just as a little tease, we're going to move into uh, what I call my cabinet of advisors. My, Yay! My favorite. 12 advisors. Uh, and, then, and then I'm going to take you all on a little trip through uh, my home labyrinth. That Yay! we have uh, now finished in the back. So we've got some fun shows coming up, a little different mm-hmm. than what we've been discussing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle, thank you yes. for being here. Uh, thank you, Scott. Thank you, everyone, for being here. And those of you listening at home, we wish you well. Be safe. And Yep. And stay well, folks. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye for now. <laughs> You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Sh-
Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.